unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hey, good morning to you. Yes, indeed. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 on the HD4. If you have that smart radio, you can find us there as well. Plus our friends out in Garden City, Kansas on 1240 KIUL. What's up? Great to have you along for the ride today on another Saturday. I am so excited. I am so giddy. I am so pumped up. I am so ready to go. Not just because yesterday was Friday the 13th, which is awesome and it's always my lucky day that we uh, lucky day of whenever it lands on. But by the way, thank you all for the wonderful birthday message yesterday. Yes, it was my birthday and the fact that it falls on Friday the 13th in October is amazing. I love when it does that every year. But uh, no, I'm more excited the fact that it's cool outside. It's nice and cool. It's not 80 degrees any longer. I know next week we're supposed to maybe peak up a little bit into the 70s again. That's kind of bothering me, but I'll take today. It's like 50 right now. I'm in my shorts. I'm so excited. This is going to be amazing. We have the lunar eclipse. Hopefully we can see part of that coming up. And actually that's supposed to be about 1140 is the peak of that here. Kansas time. If you have the opportunity to go and check that out uh, shortly after this program. So that'll be fun. We'll remind you a couple of times. And man, welcome into another weekend as we move through the month of October. Great to have you along for the ride today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to hear from you today. we got a big show lined up as usual. No guests in hour number two. It's going to be open lines to you, which we have not done in a while. because, uh, And we're not going to do it again for a while because it is going to be jam-packed with guests, especially candidates going into election season. We are a month out from election time for our quote-unquote off-season election, but just because it's an off-season does not mean you should not turn out to vote because there are some major elections coming up here soon across the state of Kansas and all your local communities from school boards to city council to other local positions in your area. Uh, I got the honor to uh, MC a couple local events in my little town for candidates running for city council and school board. We did some panel discussions last uh, last week, and it was really great to see some turnout for those. Uh, it was the first time, apparently, that they had ever done that because normally they're just asking people to try to fill in seats. Yet yeah, that's how small the town that we live in, so we love it. And uh, it's been great to actually see some activities, some uh, generated interest in people not only wanting to run but also want to focus on certain issues and talk about them and ask candidates about what they stand for, what they want to do, and how we can make our communities better. Because I don't know if you're aware or not, but the politics is moving back down to a very local level. So the next few weeks, get ready, geared up, strap in, because we're going to be talking to a lot of different candidates across the board for many different seats in many different communities around the South Central Kansas region and out in Garden City as well. We'll reach out to you guys and start getting you on here soon as well. But open hours for hour number two at 316-721-8255. Bottom of this hour, we're going to talk with Brent Davis. He is candidate for the at-large school board for USD 259. And he's been working really hard doing the knocking on the doors and talking to people. And we'll see where his campaign is and how he feels going into the home stretch for election season. So we have all that, but right out of the gate, we're excited to have on the program uh, to talk about some issues going on in Washington, D.C. and some elected officials here in Kansas and what we can do to make sure that our finances are in order. 
And as you know, I'm kind of a dork that way. We like to talk about budgets and economies and finances. And uh, there is some new bills being discussed in Washington, D.C. regarding credit cards and credit card benefits and some of the rewards that you get or who's kind of controlling the credit card industry or finance industry in Washington, D.C. And to talk about some of that and more, happy to have on. She's with the Kansas for Fair Credit Rules, which you can find online at KansasForFairCreditRules.com. Lois Spillman on the line with us here. Lois, how are you this morning? I'm great, Andy. Happy birthday and happy birthday weekend. Oh, well, celebrate all you. weekend. Absolutely. We're going to celebrate all weekend. I'm I'm excited to see this uh, lunar eclipse. I think I know we're not going to get the full presentation of it here, but uh, I think it'll be neat to see uh, whatever happens here. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of cloudy, so hopefully we'll get to see something. Hopefully. Hopefully it peaks out just a little bit. That would be nice. So for those that don't know this, Bill, uh, and what's going on in Washington, D.C., talk about the legislation and what's, uh, where this came from and what you guys are working on. Well, what this is actually called is the, the title of the bill itself is called the Credit Card Competition Act of 2023. Of course, that sounds like a wonderful thing, like always. But we have dubbed it basically the big box bill because what it's basically going to do is force the credit card companies to remove the reward programs from, you know, a lot of people depend on those reward programs, the rewards that they get back on a monthly basis. It will remove all of those and basically um, the big box company will get to keep that money. You know, your Walmarts, your Targets your Kroger's slash Dillon's, they stand to keep those fees. Uh, Roger Marshall is one of the co-sponsors to this bill, and he is actually co-sponsoring it with none other than Dick Durbin, one of the most liberal senators in the Senate from the state of Illinois. I'm not sure why Roger Marshall is supporting this with Dick Durbin, but, you know, Roger Marshall has been a pretty good senator so far, and I vowed that I would hold his feet to the fire. And I have called his office and praised him when he's done well. This time, he's not doing well. This will be against the people. We won't get the credit card rewards back. Like I said, a lot of people do depend on those. They pay all their utility bills and everything on their credit cards and pay the credit card bill off at the end of the month. And then they get the rewards back from those companies. Mm. In the bill itself, it's it's Bill S-1838, so anybody can go online and see that. It's basically giving more regulations to the Federal Reserve. Number one, again, why are we giving more power to the Federal Reserve? That That's just mind-blowing. At this day and age especially, we want to take power away the Federal Reserve is not even a government agency, but they act as though they are. Anyway, this legislation gives more power to the Federal Reserve. And also in the first sentence of the bill, at the last of the, that very first sentence, it says comma and other purposes. That scares me to death. Kind of a it's broad like, term. What are these other purposes? Are they trying to usher in the cashless society? We know the Federal Reserve wants that. Yeah. What's the, what's the actual intent of why they presented it in the first place? And when they talk about the positives of this bill, what's the intent and purpose of this bill that they're trying to do? What, what they're saying is it's going to give more competition to the credit card companies. Again, it's, it's government 
trying to meddle in business, yeah. which they have they have no business in there. Um, basically saying that MasterCard and Visa are, have it all wrapped up, and so they're going to try to force um, this legislation that that they will be able to assign um, where the re- retailers, uh, you know, uh, where where they're going with it, where, where they um, yeah. Trying to trying to create a little more competition and give power to the actual business as opposed to like Mastercard and Visa. You're saying? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, back in 2010, on the uh, it was a Dodd Frank bill, and we all know what a disaster the Dodd Frank bill was. Yeah. Dick Durbin attached an amendment to it in 2010 uh, with a debit card, and you know you used to have rewards on your debit card, and guess what? After that was attached, debit cards rewards went away and we know the same thing's going to happen with this and the retailers promised to decrease their prices that never happened since 2011 the retailers have gained 145 billion dollars in these fees from the debit card the same thing's going to happen with the credit card the retailers stand to make more money on this sure it's it's you know, very interesting. I mean, it's it, the concept of trying to create the competition is an interesting take on it. And I agree, we need more competition because we don't like monopolies. But at the same time, we want to create competition more to benefit the consumer as opposed to, like you said, centralizing more power into the government where they regulate more of the industry because that never ends up positive. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and like I said, my, my big concern is in the bill itself, how it's written. Yeah. It says giving more power to the Federal Reserve, comma, and other purposes. Yeah. And, and we know that they take these bills and twist them and turn them and use them for their advantage. And we know that they, like I said, they want to usher in a cashless society. Well, and that's what it's going to lead to ultimately, which is what our major concern is. And I think that, uh, honestly, if we want to create more competition, wouldn't we want to focus more on limiting the power of a credit card to allow individuals to use more cash? I know that's a wild concept in today's time, but, I mean, I I would rather have a pocket full of cash to be able to use when I want as opposed to a credit card because the government or the credit card company or the business even that's tracking their uh their special, you know, a Dylan's card or a Lowe's card or a Sam's Club card or whatever, you know, whatever's out there for each individual store. They don't need to know what I'm buying. I don't really care if they want to track me. They they don't need to know that information. And I just want to go about my business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, that's my big fear is, is that they are taking us to a cashless society. They've stated that's what they want to do. And this is just one way to backdoor it. But you know, it, while it's doing that, it's also taking rewards away from regular people that depend on their cashback rewards. You know, the, the credit card companies, you know, they talk about, and that's another thing that they're saying that this will do, like eliminate swipe fees. Well, you know what? The swipe fees are what pays for your rewards and everything. So, I mean, it, it's the cost of doing business. And those reward that reward money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that is very concerning. Uh, the website, again, if people want to go check some of this information out, it's kansasforfaircreditrules.com. we got a few minutes left here, Lois, but talk about where this bill is right now. You said that uh, Senator Roger Marshall is part of this, working uh, with Dick Durbin, but presenting this where, um, or Chuck Schumer, I'm sorry. Right, right now, yeah. it's still in committee, and it's what still we want to do is get the word out all over uh, Kansas to tell Roger Marshall, do not support this, to basically drop it. 
Um, we will be visiting all of his regional offices, all six of them, to let him know there's comp- there is uh, support to defeat this bill all over the state of Kansas. Yeah. And I know, um, unfortunately, Kroger uh, Corporation has given him huge campaign contributions because, again, they stand to make a lot of money on this. Sure. And and we, just the American or the Kansas taxpaying citizen, will be going around to all of his offices and letting them know that we are against this. And if anybody wants to join us uh, Monday morning at 1030, we will be uh, heading to his Wichita office. Very good. I like it. Do you, do you really think, and uh, this is just kind of on the same industry here, but do you think that there's true representation of real small business in Washington, D.C.? Because whenever we hear even about, you know, the fighting for small business, it really is about some of the larger corporations across the nation. But real small business that really has, you know, the, the mom and pop shop with three, four, five, six workers, do, they, do you think they get true representation in Washington for their best interests? Absolutely not. Uh, again, they're trying to twist this that, this, that this is good for small business. It, it will not be. They will still be in competition with the big box stores. Yeah. It, it's not good for small business either. And they're just individuals that go make most of their purchases at the big box stores. You know, like little bitty uh, self-owned um, convenience stores or something. They go to Sam's, you know, and buy cases of, of candy bars or whatever. Yeah. You know, to, to get their cash rewards from that end. Sure. And the, the, what they have to charge in their swipe fees at their store, you know. Well, it, that's it, that's the thing. I mean, small business, I mean, we talk about the, the trying to represent small business. When they have the charges that they have to take, I mean, they're taking a hit on the profit because they have to pay so much in the fees just to be able to use the services of these credit card uh, swiping machines and everything that they have to do on their back end to pay that, that they're actually losing a lot of that profit where some of the bigger stores, obviously, that's not really a big issue to them, and that's why they're able to offer rewards that we're even now trying to take away, apparently. Right. It, absolutely. absolutely. And, and like I said, since 2011, the big stores have gained $145 billion from these fees that that they said that they were going to lower prices and everything and give back to the consumer. And they're saying that again for the credit card fees. It won't happen just like it didn't happen in 2011 because they made the money on it. Sure. And, and guess what? In 2020, credit card, uh, in 2020 alone, credit cards gave back $60 billion to the consumer for, you know, your, your Sky Miles and your rewards programs and all that. So they are giving back like they, they said they would. Big box is not coming through like they say they're going to do. It's all about those profits at the end of the day, and that's what we got to figure out. If we want, tr- I'm, I'm all with, I'm all with you, and I'm all with the senator with the idea of creating competition. But we got to create competition the right way, and it sounds like right now that's not the direction that we're going. For more information, if people want to go check out this Credit Card Competition Act, you can find that one. You can also find uh, the organization online again, KansasForFairCreditRules.com. Lois, again, one more time, if people want to turn out for the event you guys have coming up on Monday, where and how can you guys do that? Uh, it will be at Roger Marshall's Wichita office. It's 100 South Market Street. It's Suite 102. We're going to be there about 1030. And again, we're going to tell Roger Marshall that he has done a great job yeah. so far, you know, and, and when he's not doing it, we're going to stand up and let him know that as well. And that's where we're coming from. There it is. Let him know. Absolutely. Make your voice heard. Let the elected officials know about where you stand on some of these issues. 
and make your voice heard. Lois, keep up that fight, my friend. I appreciate it very much. we got to get another update from you again here real soon. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Oh, you as well. Always a pleasure. There it is. Lois Billman. She's with Kansas for Fair Credit Rules. KansasforFairCreditRules.com is the website. Go and check them out. Interesting statement. We're going to have the Senator Marshall on the show again here soon. We haven't had him on in a while, and we'll pick his brain on that one as well and get his side of it and where he's coming from with this. Can we create some true competition in this market? Got to take a break. Lots more to get to. It's going to be a fun show. Strap in, baby. Hold tight and wake up for a Saturday morning. It's a fun one here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into it. 26 minutes past the hour. Radio and the Facebook. If you want to watch us on the Facebook live feed, you can at facebook.com slash 1480kqam. We have that shared out. So welcome aboard to you there as well. Thanks again to Lois coming on the show. Interesting information for sure. And for those that don't know much about this, luckily it's still sitting in committee, which is good news. But we can have a better conversation about it to understand what's going on with our finances. Look, it's a very concerning thing when... We go down this road of a cashless society. It's uh, It's been talked about for a long time, and the Biden administration obviously has been trying it for a while now when they wanted to regulate every transaction coming in and out of your account to over $600. That's like a mortgage payment or some for even an auto payment or a student loan payment or if you buy something and it's either going in. If your paycheck just going into a direct deposit into your account and the government wants to regulate that so they can audit it because they truly believe, they openly said this, They truly believe that they are missing out on 50% of tax revenue in the nation because we're not trying to claim it. That's insane. 50%. I can't do anything without paying taxes on it at all. So I think there's going to be kind of a, we're already talking about kind of a segregation financially in the nation based on just woke businesses and supporting businesses that are woke or not woke, quote unquote. But I think we're going to see a deeper segregation economically in the country when we go to the ones that want the convenience of all just cashless society and those that just want straight cash. And we're going to start going to a black market, baby. We're just going to like swap pigs for a goat or something. I'm okay with that style. I'm okay with something like that happening. And eventually we may have to go back to that. I had on the program yesterday on the Voice of Reason show on Friday, I had on, I guess, a controversial guest. She was a psychic medium, which was kind of entertaining. And she had mentioned that we're going to go to a cashless society here in the next uh, really six to seven to eight years. Really relatively concerning for some. And she mentioned, by the way, she did predict that Donald Trump would be president in 2024 as well. So that was at least good news. And she was in support of that coming from Amsterdam and the Netherlands. Imagine individuals in Europe not wanting Joe Biden to be the leader of the free world in the United States, but actually supporting Donald Trump, but said that Trump would win the election. But then also we're going to go to a casual society here in the next few years and to take it to the next step the potential planting of the chips in your body, either in your hand and or your neck within the next six or seven years, 
was her prediction on that as well. Again, whether you trust her, whether you believe her, whether you think it's true or not, that's really irrelevant. You can you know believe whatever you want to. It doesn't really matter. But it is interesting that it's a concern not just for us here in America, and we always think that Europe's very progressive, that Europe's more on the socialist side, and to some degree they do have some of those beliefs. But she was very concerned about it just as much as we are. She was concerned about the direction that the the world is going just as much as we are. And that should be a telltale sign that we need to be aware of the direction of a centralized government, more centralized power, uh, the Federal Reserve and the government's regulation and oversight of your economy and your finances because, well, that could be a disaster moving forward. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit, get into election mode, talk to some candidates. See what's going on on the campaign trail on the home stretch here before election time, less than a month away. Holy cow, it's flying right on by. All that and more, plus your phone calls right here on Candace Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay right here. Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Kansas Talk right here on KQAM. Always remember that you've listened to KQAM today. Put that in your little noggin. Always some nice little tidbits of information for you just to remember. That way when you go home tonight, you can be like, hey, listen to KQAM. It's what we're all about. Welcome back into it. 1480 on the AM dial. If you have the FM radio or the smart radio, you can find us on 99.7 HD4, 99.7 HD4, plus our friends out in Garden City listening to the program as well. Let's get into election coverage here on the show. As you know, we're just less than a month away from election time for our, I say off-season election air quotes for our radio listeners, but it is, it's not an off-season and it's actually some of our more important elections that we can be voting in and uh, be partaking in because this is where we choose. I, I say this over and over again that I think the COVID-19 pandemic woke people up to realize how important and how influential that our local elected officials are from school boards to city councils to county commissioners, because they're the ones that dictated whether we closed down, whether your business was essential or not, whether your kid had to wear a mask to go to school or not, or be mandated to get a COVID-19 experimental vaccine to go to school. They're the ones that made those decisions, and that's why we need to be more involved with what's going on with our children, with our local community, and to be able to turn out to these kinds of votes. And I think people are starting to realize that when we saw the voter turnout for the primaries that we had just a couple months ago, which was pretty impressive. So we're going to shift gears into election season as happy to have back on the program at-large candidate for USD 259 School Board, Brent Davis. How are you, my friend? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on again. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you. How's the campaign going? You feeling good coming down to the, uh, the line here, the hard wire? It's going great. We have lots of little uh, get-togethers and uh, out knocking doors, and uh, the people have are very responsive to our message. Good, good. What's been uh, talking school board, I know, is a little bit different when you knock on a door and talk to somebody than talking about you know Washington, D.C. and Joe Biden. So when you're knocking on the doors, what is their... Uh, main focal point, their interest that they ask you about. Is it curriculum, graduation rates, transgender bathrooms? What's the, what's the focal point? Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, people love their public schools, you yeah. know, and, um, and, um, 
when I when I'm coming to the doors, I'm talking about achievement because achievement has been declining for well over a decade. It wasn't just the pandemic; it's been going down. I went down worse during the pandemic, and thank heaven we're back in classes now. And so there is some recovery happening. And they also got about a billion dollars in ESSER funds that are not going to be here anymore sure. to give a lot of kids tutoring and other things to try to help. Uh, get their grades up. And also parents became more aware of the fact that their kids were not learning much in school and got alarmed about that. And and so consequently, we just saw a little bump up in the um, uh, state assessment scores. But overall, they're still abysmal. They're, they're like still over 80% remedial in math and English language arts. And uh, that's just not acceptable. You can't, even though we have our graduation rate going up slightly, you, you can't graduate kids that are remedial, not ready to get jobs and get out in the community and work. And, and you're just uh, causing, you know, you're just uh, perpetuating poverty yeah. in that situation. And the, the situation is worse for the poor kids than it is for the wealthier kids. And uh, so that's just going to cause a depressed Wichita economy. I mean, people don't move into uh, neighborhoods where the schools are doing poorly, you know. So, I mean, achievement, that has to be our number one concern. But also, you know, often when I go to a door, people will ask me, you know, what about CRT in schools? And what about, um, uh, which is that um, critical race theory? And um, what about transgender uh, issues? You know, or what about gender confusion and that sort of thing? Is that happening in schools? And, you know, our, our uh, administrations uh, like to say that those things aren't happening, but they are happening. And uh, we definitely need to, to, to take steps to make sure that our children are protected. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to cover there. Let's talk about the remedial. I, I laugh because the the first thing that pops into my head is you have one job. That's literally your one job is to get kids at a certain level to graduate and be successful in life. And that is to teach them about math, about writing, about science, about reading, to get the basics of just being able to function in society. And the fact that we're graduating at an 80% remedial level on all these levels you have one job, man, and we're not even doing that at a successful rate at all. Like, what? Mm-hmm. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing, and you know, there, it doesn't have to be that way. There are are places in America where they have uh, two school systems within a system. Uh, like, for instance, in New York City, there's this guy Thomas Sowell that wrote a book called charter schools and their enemies. It came out here in 2022, and he has data all the way up to 2018. So it's pretty exceptionally recent data. And in New York City, where they have uh, charter schools and regular traditional public schools in the same building, they'll often have a traditional school that's like like Wichita, only uh, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 percent at grade level. And then the rest, 80 percent, 87 percent remedial up to even 98 percent remedial and then in the same school the charter school will be with like specifically with success academy charter schools they'll be like 90 percent 100 percent at and above and even sometimes in level four above the grade level right and so it's just a stark contrast in in the seriousness uh and 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 what can be done if you're if you're serious and doing the right things in education and we can do that here there's no reason why we can't have the success academy schools in wichita instead of the regular traditional schools uh so uh and it's and it's not something that 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 it's it's a way to do that. You build up your teachers. It's not something that's going to hurt teachers. It's not something that's going to to be extremely painful. It's just it's just a matter of 
devotion yeah. to the task and use, using the smart techniques that are out there. What's the excuse that they give? Like when we talk about remedial graduation rates and how low they are at the education level, what what's the excuse that they give when we bring up these numbers and say, how in the world are we letting kids go off into the world at such a low academic level? What do they say? Is it just like, well, we just don't have enough money or we don't have enough resources? Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I listened to uh, Kelly Bufield, our new uh, superintendent, and I, I was expecting to hear him say, wow, you know, we, we really have a job to do. We haven't been getting the kids up to grade level. We haven't been teaching them the way we need to. But what I heard from him was just like rationalizations for why they're okay. Everything's okay. It's like, yeah, our ACT scores went down to 16, but now they're back to 17. But, you know, it's really because of the poor kids. You know, we have so many poor kids and poor kids do worse. <laughs> but, you know, those success academy schools in, in, in uh, New York City, those kids are in neighborhoods where they have $20,000 a year average income, 95% black and Hispanic. And they have, in some of those schools, over 90% at level four. Okay. So, there is no excuse. You can't just say they're poor. Poor kids can learn just as well as rich kids. It's a matter of are you are you do you, are you incentivized to take care of them? Are you are you going to be serious and hold your teachers accountable, or are you just going to let yourself off the hook for doing lousy work? Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of the uh, Biden comment: poor kids are just as bright and just as smart as white kids, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Thank you, thank you very much for that one, Joe Biden. Yeah, that's the mindset we're apparently in right now. Uh, next year, we are working as we get closer and closer to school choice across the country or even here in the state of Kansas. Our legislature has been working hard on that. We'll we'll talk some about that in hour number two. But uh, next year we have open enrollment where mm-hmm. kids can actually go to different areas and uh, be enrolled in different schools as opposed to just the ones that are near them when the, within their certain district. Is that a step in the right direction? Is that going to create a little bit more competition? And do you think we're going to see a fluctuation and where people actually begin enrolling in certain schools? Oh, I think that's definitely something that will help. I mean, that's they've been doing this thing uh, in um, Los Angeles schools for uh, about 10 years. And that, that's one of the school systems that's, that started to turn things around. They, they call them zones of competition. And every, every single uh, parent gets to choose between five different schools to send their child to. And that competition does help those schools get better. But, you know, what, we, what we're doing here is we're, we're holding on to principles that are, have been proven to, to not give successful outcomes for their kids. And they just move them around to other schools, you know. So if we we have to change the way that we're structuring uh, and using our 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 um, educational capital yeah. in uh, our public schools, because if we if we mismanage them, we're just going to have a school built up and then send a bad principal in there, and then it'll just get torn down, and then you just move him on to another school and let him tear down the next school. While so it's just undermining the work of the excellent uh, principals in our system. So we have to we have to put. Uh, principles in place, tying their uh, their um, uh, evaluations to student achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think we are caught back up when it comes to the the year that we lost during COVID nineteen? I know that with so many kids doing remote learning, I mean, we essentially lost an entire year of schooling, almost a year and a half, with still that did remote learning the next year as well for a little bit. But do you think we've caught ourselves back up, or do we still have a massive gap of trying to get back to the level that we needed to be at at this point? Yeah, we we've definitely not caught up. You know, it's there's definitely a lot of lost learning out there, and. Um, I mean, bottom line, we've been declining for well over a decade. So every year we've been going the wrong direction. And, and so we need to make up decades, you know, so it's, it's not a matter of just a pandemic year. We need to make up decades. <laughs> and, and 
really we're, we're talking about being competitive internationally. So you're looking at the the uh, the TIM scores, the trends in science and math uh, uh, education survey that they they have every few years, and we've been about 38th or 27th, you know, uh, in math and and English on on that test and so we're just kind of middle of the road and yet we spend more than all these other countries yeah. we, we spend the most money and we get the worst return on our investment i mean uh we're just we're just lazy you know because we've got all this money and we just try to throw money at things and and where's the money going because if it's if it's not going to raising the standard which is what the intent and purpose was when they say we need more money where's it actually going well, that's a that is a good question. You know, recently KSN reported uh, that there was an audit done, uh, and because we've had this special um, uh, uh, educational um, group, our, our our legislature has had a special legislative session, a special education session yeah. going on for a few weeks, and they reviewed the audit of this of the special needs funds that were, was supposed to go to high risk uh, children in school districts. And they found that that money has been completely misspent. And the worst offender was Wichita Public Schools, with over 70% of that money going to anything but at-risk kids, including Sam's Club memberships and color and television sets and things like that. You know, And who knows who has the television sets and who has the Sam's Club memberships, but, <laughs> but it didn't go to uh, the special needs kids. And then, then they wanted to raise the special needs uh, budget uh 70 million uh by laura kelly and and yet they the uh the reserve funds just in usd 259 went from 11 million in 2015 to 20 million in reserve unspent unspent wow. money that they that they could be spending right here there so they ask for more money but they're not spending they're not using it for what it's supposed to be used for these kids are not getting the help that they're that they're that they use them as a way to get more money you know yeah. to to play on our emotions because we want to help those kids and then they waste the money yeah they sit there with a record amount of safety nets for the school district but yet ask for more money and like you said uh, we look at the price per student right now and yeah. i remember and i've said this on the radio before when i first came on the radio here about 10 years ago well eight years ago that the price per student was sitting around eleven thousand dollars per head of student which was equivalent to going and taking them to a private school and that mm -hmm. was the big news now eight years later we're sitting at almost twenty thousand dollars per student and mm -hmm. the quality of education has not gone up at all that should be a major red flag for every parent out there that's taking their kids to education schools Absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the public schools definitely have enough money to to be top notch schools. Yeah. And it really doesn't take that much money. In fact, you look at Florida that is way outperforming us. They're, they're in the top five of uh, school systems in the nation. And they spend about 11,000 a year per student. Sure. We spend $21,000 in Kansas, and we're, we're ranked about 38th on the on this state GDP chart. I mean, basically, we can't afford it. We, you know, we need to spend you know, money on our infrastructure and other things. We can't just be pu putting our money into a broken cistern. You know, the, the water is just going to flow out of. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a break here real quick. Uh, when we come back, I want to continue this conversation, what we can do to fix it. What are some of the ideas to address not only the finance part of this, but even the curriculum to get these kids up to where they need to be? I want to see every student in Wichita, yes, even the low-income ones that apparently have all these disparities against them as the victimized portions of society, I want to see every one of them graduate with an awesome, successful, 
education to get into higher education or go into their workforce, whatever they choose to do thereafter. We can do that. We just have to figure out how to. We'll do that when we come back here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. into the program last few minutes here of hour number one yes we are going halloween baby we got to play some halloween music here on the program the monster mash anybody remember that one yeah welcome back into the show 316-721-8255 on the maxwell outdoor equipment hotline we're hanging out with brent davis candidate for usd 259 at large school district and such an important conversation we were talking about a little bit off the air here uh i gotta pick your brain on uh, Donald Trump, who's running for president again, obviously, has talked about his Agenda 47 in abolishing the Federal Department of Education if he gets back into office. If he did that, do you think that would help out bringing power back down to the State Department of Education and back down to local districts to kind of make their own decisions on how they want to set their standards and, and uh, education levels? Would that help, do you think, or do you think that would cause more chaos? Well, you know... I- I think the standards are pretty much in place right now. That's just a tremendous amount of money that's being wasted there uh, mm-hmm. because they're not involved directly in education. They're, you know, they're working on policies and, and things like that. And, and uh, really, I mean, you just need to keep the education dollars close at home. So, I mean, it's a way to reduce a lot of federal spending. We have to be thinking about how and regulation. To, yeah. And, and so, uh, I mean, it's not a huge, the money that we get from the Fed is not a huge part of what uh we do for our kids. And frankly, I think that if we budget things correctly, we can do without the federal funds and, uh, and that control, uh, we don't need that. We, what we need to do is we need to teach us history in our, uh, schools from K through 12 and start unifying our kids around us history, which I thought was actually a good, uh, um, program that, that, uh, Donald Trump, put into place where he tried to do the 1776 education project. Yeah. And that did produce a, a thing called the 1776 education or U.S. history program that Hillsdale uh, College has uh, available to people. And I would like to really see us implement that K Ooh. through 12. Uh, and they have all the testing for uh, entry testing and exit testing all ready. You know, all the lesson plans for teachers made out, everything would be a very simple implementation. And we could clearly see if the teachers are teaching it because we could do the entry uh, tests and the exit tests, you know, to make sure that the kids are actually being taught that information. And then we would see a lot more unity between our very diverse cultures here in in Wichita. And we need to do that around the country because, you know, America is the great melting pot. You know, we have all these cultures. We love all the cultures. I'm married to a Bulgarian woman. So we, we love the different cultures. And and yet we have an American culture. And we, and we want to meld those two together so that people feel like they're attached. They understand what, how America came from all these places to seek freedom and to, and to seek uh, religious freedom and economic freedom and, mm. and, and how precious that is. And, and we need to understand that property rights, be able to go and own your own home, own your own piece of property, and to, and to 
have control over what you do with it. People came from Europe where they were they were peasant farmers and they had to do what the landowner said and and they couldn't worship the way they wanted to. They had to to worship whatever the the religion the king said. And and in America we have these freedoms that are precious and each each person, each student, each American child needs to understand those so that they can stand up for them. Ah. Uh. That felt so good. I love hearing that. That's a great. I didn't know about that program, but I love the fact that that's what we need to focus on. You're absolutely right. We got about 30 seconds left here as we as we wrap up. But with history, with science, with math, with reading, with writing, do you think that we can get this back on track and get that proper education for our children? Absolutely. We have proven ways that have been doing it around the country. If you elect me, Brent Davis, for US the 259 School Board at large. Uh, I'll get those implemented. I have three people on the board already, and we will be able to implement some of these programs. So you can go to my website, Brent Davis, or Brent for USD259.com. That's Brent, the number four, USD259.com, and you can read my, about my program there, and you can donate, and you can uh, volunteer, come out and help me dock doors, and get the vote out for this last push in. Get the vote out. We're coming down to the wire here. Brent, good luck on the campaign trail for the last month, my friend. Hopefully we can see you on the school board, and we'll get you in here as we get an update. While you're on there, seeing things get fixed. I love it. So good luck, my friend. Thank you, Andy. There it is. All right, hour number one in the books. We'll do hour number two right around the corner. Open lines to you when we come back. we got a lot more to talk about. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk, hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Great to have you along with us here for a Saturday morning. Good morning as you get up and moving. It's a little drowsy and dreary outside, kind of overcast, a little bit cooler, and I absolutely love it. Welcome into fall, finally. We're finally here at fall. It's so good to see you. It's been such a long time, my friend. As it goes by so quick before it gets into wintertime, too. So strap in and get ready for that one as well. Open lines to you this hour. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to hear from you on all different types of issues here in Kansas and beyond. We will talk about the Speaker of the House thing briefly if you want to. Uh, who you think it's going to be. Apparently, as of Friday evening, Jim Jordan has won the nomination for the Republican Caucus. We'll see if he can rally enough of the unison for it to be held on the floor and actually see Republican unified votes. So uh, we'll touch on that briefly, but I want to focus on some things going on here in Kansas because there is a cause for concern, especially in the education system right now. And I'm glad we had Brent Davis on the program, candidate for USD 259 at large school board. And I really hope he gets in there. Wonderful guy. Great, uh, great ideas. And I can't wait to see. Our school board here in a district like Wichita, one of the largest school districts in the entire state, to lean a little bit more conservative and get things back on track. If you have an 80% rate of not the best graduation rates or not the best to curriculum or not the best test scores, then we have a serious problem. As I said, now we're number one. Uh, you have one job, school districts, teachers, and it's not just all the teachers. But it's the administration, it's the red tape, it's the regulation, it's the administrative state, it's all the garbage that we focus on as opposed to just putting things in the classroom for the children. That shouldn't matter about low income. Now, there is a discussion to be made about you know family involvement, parental involvement, making sure the kids are doing their homework, making sure they're staying out of trouble, making sure that they're focusing on what they need to focus on. There is a cause for conversation at that because everything happens at the home front for the most part. But 
That shouldn't matter. When you walk into a school, it should be, boom, this is what we're going to learn. This is what we're going to do. And either you're failing or you're not failing and you're going to continue on. Pure end of story. It's not, well, we need to loosen it up a little bit. Well, we need to lower the curriculum. Well, we need to lower the the standards just a little bit so that way everybody fits in. Because look at where we're at now. And that is a cause for concern. Uh, There is, however, a bigger conversation here. And for those that live outside of the Wichita School District and some of the other smaller districts across the state, uh, I'm really talking to you here because I, over the last week, I have been involved with multiple different school districts on their campaigns for uh, candidates for school boards. Obviously here on the radio with a lot from the Wichita District and USD 259 to talking to some other individuals that will be coming on here in the next week or so from other districts like the Goddard School District and others. And even on the home front, having some panel discussions for very small school districts. And small as in like Little Voice of Reason goes to a school that has nine students, I believe, or 11 students in the entire fourth grade. The entire graduating class at the school last year was like 12 students, like that small. And listening to the difference in conversation, listening to the difference in topics, the priorities of these school districts is vastly different and very interesting. Because what do we just talk about here with Brent Davis? We talked about curriculum, low test scores, low quality of education, and trying to raise that standard. The smaller school districts right now, Their conversations, when we talk to those candidates for school board, they're just trying to keep the doors open. They're just trying to keep the small rural school district alive and not have to close doors and consolidate. And it's a a vast difference, a wide margin of where we're at here for the conversation and the focal point of what they're trying to do. And that's a cause for concern because guess what? The vast majority of money coming from the State Department of Education and the Federal Department of Education goes to the large school districts. Uh, And by that, I mean Wichita and some of the major ones up in Kansas City area. The largest, there's like four school districts in the state that get 80 to 90% of all the funding. Why? Because obviously there's a lot of students there, so they sink a lot of the money into it. But you would think if you had all of that money, then you would be able to give an appropriate education. But they're not. So the small school districts, the ones that have 20 students in a grade... They're just trying to keep the doors open, and they have a slightly better education, I think, overall, just because of the fact that teachers can have a better one-on-one conversation with the students, that the the administration can focus more on the needs of each student, and that they have less to have to buy in resources to take care of the students and get them the proper education, but the government doesn't like to give them that money. And in fact, the bar, the bigger districts, as greedy as many of them are, they try to suck up as much of those funds if, as possible, even when they don't necessarily deserve it. If you remember, there was a school district from a couple of years ago, I want to say three, four years ago that we talked about, of a district up in the Kansas City area. Don't remember which one it was. A very ritzy, very more high-end income level area that was a public school. And they ended up changing their standards for what they considered low income. And the reason they did that was because there was more money available for the free and reduced lunch program at schools across the state, and they wanted a bigger piece of that pie. So they raised their standards to like over $100,000 to be considered low income. So more of their students qualified for the low income for the free and reduced lunch program. And therefore, that school district, a very ritzy school district that makes a lot of money and has a lot of ritzy higher end income level students, they could, they qualified for more of it so they could take more of that money that was available statewide. 
That's the garbage that we're having to deal with right now, unfortunately. The Wichita School District, to pick on them for a second, they have millions. The last we talked to, and it's been a while since we've talked to the Kansas Policy Institute, but last time we talked to Dave Travert about this, they were sitting on near two, two and a half million dollars as a safety net. Not even their operating expenses, their safety net, what they were sitting on in the bank that they don't even touch for emergencies. And this was prior to COVID-19. Now, during the COVID-19 pandemic, these school districts got a lot more money again. They got a buttload of money because the government was like, here you go. Do what you need to do for the PPPs and for the cleaning supplies and for security protocol and for this and for laptops and for technology. and It was just the whole give me free handout. This is before all that. The Wichita School District was sitting on record numbers of emergency funds. While we have the Midland, what is it, Midland, Kansas, the Midland School District that just voted to try and stay open, but as a vast area in a large district with only a few students in it where parents have to travel a long way to take their kids there, they were looking at dissolving because they don't have the money, they don't have the resources, and they don't have the ability to stay open. And they think it would be better for kids to go elsewhere with the other school districts around that area. Just in the Newton area up north here from Wichita, we had the school that was more of the agricultural, hands-on experience, let's get you outdoors and learn about life lessons sort of thing. An amazing opportunity for students in a state that's full of agriculture. That school just shut down because they didn't have the funds to stay open. The school that we're at, and I'm not going to say it on the air, although a lot of people know where we're at, but I'm not going to say it on the air just for uh, you know, people know where I am kind of thing. If you really hate me, come and get me, I guess. So I'm going to keep that a little disclosed, but a lot of people know where it's at already. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but it's a smaller school district, and their conversation is they just went to a four-day school week. Why? To try and save money because they couldn't do the operating expenses, and they are trying to entice more sc- uh, more students to come into the area, more teachers to come into the area. They're almost fully staffed now, but it's a challenge just to keep the doors open every year. And the question is, will these small school districts survive moving forward? Or will they all dissolve and we all consolidate to these major, massive school districts that have all of the money, but yet don't know how to use the money, and we still have ridiculously poor quality of education through these schools? I'm going to be really interested next year to see when open enrollment actually takes effect next fall after this full school year. Next fall, when open enrollment kicks in in the state of Kansas on where parents will go. And obviously a lot in the inner city areas and well, those that are in the cities maybe not change a whole lot because it's so convenient to have their kids right next to the, the school that's right next to them. But if they do have that availability, where would you take your kids? Would you take them to a different magnet school? Would you try to take them to a private school? Would you take them just to a different public school that's a little bit further away because they have a slightly better quality or education standard, where'd you take them completely out of a major city and take them to a smaller district where they have that more one-on-one time with a teacher because they have that availability to do so? Where would you take your students? I'm curious because it's going to be interesting how this next year of open enrollment is going to be, but these levels of poverty that these bigger school districts try to say, and it's unfortunate because even our conservative school board members that advocated for this new superintendent to be in there, thinking that he was going to make some great changes, not saying that he's not, we need, we're we actually going to get him on the program here relatively soon and chat with him, but for him to make a comment of, well, we're doing slightly better because there's higher income students involved with the lower income students and the lower income students have a lesser education, and what? What are we talking about here? What is this? Like, what? Why would that matter? Why would that matter on what the income level is? 
it has nothing to do with income level. It has to do with the quality of what we're doing at the school and trying to get the parents involved with their children to be part of their life to make sure that they're learning beyond just the few hours at school. Because unfortunately, what it seems like is that we've turned the public education system, especially in the larger cities like Wichita, for example, we've turned it into not a source for education, but we've turned it into a just a daycare. They want to make it permanent for just the free lunches, the free meals for everybody. They want to just, you know, take them in and, you know, give out the give out the breakfast in the morning with I've seen some of the stories and I've seen it firsthand when we lived in Wichita a few years ago of some parents that just threw an absolute fit because they got there five minutes late for the lunch or for the breakfast and they couldn't be served. And therefore, they threw a fit because that uh, they just demanded it. That was the only thing. By golly, we deserve this and this is what we're going to get. And that's the mindset that we have now. It's no longer about education. It's just about keeping your kids entertained for the next six hours. Like, why would we do that? Why would we allow our education system to get to that level? Well, I can answer that one. It's because the government's involved in it. So, I know, very triggering for some, right? But, you know, that's what it's turned into. So, welcome to government education, I guess. Is there a way that we can bring that back down to the focal point, to the root of what we're supposed to do in school, which is teach them about reading, about writing, about math, about science? I don't want to talk about transgenderism and about the gender identity of students. I don't want to talk about the uh, all the free meals that we can get and all the money that we can bring in here. I don't want to talk about how much money we're setting aside and all the administrators that we have to pay in order to function. We don't need all of that. We need a room with some students and a teacher that knows what they're doing with a book that doesn't need to be updated saying that America's evil. We just need to teach them the basics of life to get them into either the workforce or the ability to go into a higher education. Thankfully, we're starting to work on trade schools that are partnering with a lot of the public schools as well, giving opportunities to get trades like plumbers and electricians and everything else that's out there, auto mechanics, whatever you're interested in. And that's on the rise, too, which I want to talk about some of that higher education moving forward as well. We will talk to some legislators on the show, by the way, coming up here in the next few weeks after the election, maybe in between here mingles a little bit if we have some time, about the legislative session coming up in January as Christy Williams in the Augusta area. She's the head of the education uh, committee in our House of Representatives, and she's been working over the summer really hard about ways that we can actually do some audits on the schools. We can reappropriate a lot of these monies to go to where they actually need to go, and we can focus on a higher quality of education as well. So that is good news. And I feel optimistic that we're in the right track if we allow that to happen. And if we don't have a governor who's supposedly the education governor to try and stop it, which we know it's going to. So we just have to make sure that we override her and stick it to the man, so to speak, which is the state of Kansas, or at least the bureaucracy of the progressives wanting to keep things segregated, separate and keep the low income as victims of society. We'll take some calls and talk about more of this when we come back here. It's Candace Talk right here on Which Does Big Talker KQAM. Stay right here. Oh, well, he came down to earth and he lit in a tree. I said, Mr. Purple People Leader, don't eat me. I heard him say in a voice so gruff. I wouldn't eat you because you're so tough. It was a one-eyed, one-horn flying purple people leader. One-eyed, one-horn flying purple
25 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it. It is Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Howdy to our friends out in Garden City as well. Great to have you this Saturday morning, Saturday the 14th of October, after the Friday the 13th. <laughs> Happy almost Halloween to you. I'm, yeah, we're looking forward to Halloween for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We have a solar eclipse, by the way, and it's going to be hard. I am very devastated if it's going to be overcast and we can't see it, which it is right now. Hopefully, we can see things turn around here. It just clear up just for a few minutes. We can see it, and then you can get cloudy again, whatever you want to do. I don't care. But, uh, yeah, the solar eclipse, apparently, if you want to try and watch it, it's going to be happening here in Kansas starting at about 11 o'clock. After the program ends, it's going to be at its peak at about 1140, if I remember correctly, 1138, something like that. So, it is uh, coming up in the next hour or so. going to be fun if you have a chance to try and see the solar eclipse. Now, do not look directly at the sun. Have to get that PSA out there because apparently people would. Uh, but we're not going to get the full eclipse here, so we're only going to see a partial of it. So you have to have the certain way to look at it with the certain lens or the filter or however you try to look at the sun that way. But yes, you will be able to see something and it will be kind of neat if you have the opportunity to do so. So there it is. I'm excited. Should be a lot of fun. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. All right, I have a couple questions for you on uh, the local front. If you have children or grandchildren in the school districts, would you trust them to go to the same school that they're currently going to? Or if you had that opportunity, would you move them from that school district? On the national front, I have to ask you the question. I know it's been the big one for the, throughout the week, but are we going to see a Speaker of the House here this coming week? Will we see Jim Jordan become Speaker of the House? Because apparently he has been voted on as of yesterday afternoon. He's been voted to be uh, from the Republican caucus for the majority. He still has to win over now apparently the moderate Republicans because they don't want to be conservative, apparently, which I guess is not ex- unexpected. That's what they do. They fight against conservatism as Republicans. If we like higher taxes and more regulations, we're totally Republican. So now the question is, can we rally the Republican Party to unite themselves as a Speaker of the House movement uh, to actually get something done in Washington, D.C.? The t- time's ticking here. We're at the middle of October. We have one month until that continuing resolution for our budget actually runs out again. And when that runs out, we're going to see a government shutdown, which, oh, mon Dieu, people are going to lose their minds over that one. But... <laughs> I know. Very scary. Very triggering. But nonetheless, uh, maybe it's necessary. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to shut down the government because I really don't care if they don't have any money. I'm totally okay with that. But we need to figure something out and show some Republican unity. Not for that issue solely, but because we have an election next year. And I really don't want to continue to see a divided Republican caucus. It's not doing us any favors. So I was skeptical about this move to remove Kevin McCarthy, even though I agree I did not like him. He was not a great speaker, and he went back on his word a lot. He made a lot of promises to a lot of different people that he was not able to hold up, and they all came crashing down upon him at the very same time. So he needed to be removed. My question was, how were we going to replace him when we didn't have enough conservative votes to actually change anything with the federal budget? And if we can't vote in unison on those basic issues, how could we vote for the leader of the party when we're so divided, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. So the dice has been rolled. The gamble's been made. If we win, then that's awesome. But how far are we going to push the envelope here before we see moderate Republicans start working with moderate, and I say moderate with air quotes, Democrats to elect a Hakeem Jeffries or some other Democrat as speaker 
as the minority party because, well, we can't work with those hardliners, those radicals, those purists, those nutjob right-wing conservative Republicans that are unwilling to compromise to get anything done, which is what the narrative is going to be. And conservatives, while I understand what you're doing, you have to play with the ability that you have based on the number of votes that you have. So I'm with you, but do this smartly, please. Let's please do this uh, in an appropriate manner that actually benefits us and doesn't hurt us at the end of the day. All right, we got another segment for you. Open lines to you if you want to jump in. I'm going to talk about some higher education. Apparently, we're losing professors here in the state of Kansas. Oh, no. Where are they going and why are they leaving the state of Kansas and what can we do to maintain and retain students, professors, the workforce, and everybody alike right here in our state and not lose any population. That and more coming up here in Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. So much to get to on another weekend full of football and Halloween and solar eclipses and so many other goodies. Stay right here. It's Kansas Talk. show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. KQAM indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. It's Kansas Talk on the home front here, baby. Last home stretch of the show. Michael Brown with the weekend coming up live here on KQAM and our friends out in Garden City is KIUL Radio as well. Always a great show. We always love hearing him as well with all the events going on. Make sure to check out our syndicated program. By the way, a little plug there, the weekend edition, The Voice of Reason, airing on the stations and so many more. That's That that show's growing like a weed and we love it and appreciate you guys very much. Napoleon Appliance Repair. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Mike and Mike, they are rocking it. They were vetted, voted best of for the city of Wichita in appliance repair by the Wichita Eagle for 2022 and they continue to raise that standard and rock it each and every day. We are now officially into holiday season. I keep saying that, but we're now into Halloween in a couple of weeks and Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Uh, We might actually flip on the heater here relatively soon. I know that's crazy to think about, but fall is here and the warm uh, heater might need to be turned on with the cool weather outside. So (laughs) I know, right? So uh, if that's the case and you have an appliance that may be on the fritz, if your refrigerator is acting up, your stove or your dishwasher or your microwave, whatever issue that you have with your appliances, don't be stuck going into the holidays with needing to get something new or have that family get together. I told you, it happened to me. It literally happened to me. We had family over years ago and we went to go put the Thanksgiving turkey into the oven and boom, we check it like an hour later and the oven's not even there. It's not even warm, not even working. So we had to go get a new one. Don't be in that situation. Kind of embarrassing and very awkward on eating ramen noodles or something for Thanksgiving if that doesn't happen. So don't be stuck in that position. Make sure to call Mike and Mike out at Napoleon Appliance Repair. They can help you with either the old school stuff that has a simple thing that needs to be replaced or whether it's that super crazy technology today that tells you that you're out of carrots in your refrigerator. Whatever type of technology that you have, they can help you out. Check them out online on Facebook. Follow them, Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. Again, Napoleon Reply, uh, Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC on Facebook. Or call them 
at 316-409-1525, 316-409-1525. It's Napoleon Appliance Repair. We appreciate them very much here on KQAM Radio and right here on Kansas Talk. All right, 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. You can jump on and let us know your thoughts on anything going on. It is open to you. Uh, finishing up this conversation with education real quick. Looking at the higher education, there is a new growing movement because the Biden, the Biden administration apparently has not given up on their uh, their fight, I guess, their obsession, if you want to call it that, to try and relieve us of student loans, a.k.a. student loan forgiveness, a.k.a. centralizing and consolidating more of your private debt into the public sector for you to pay with your taxpayer money. So if you've paid off your student loans, if you've never taken out student loans, if you don't even use student loans, then you get to pay on everybody else's student loans because you're just that swell of a person. So thank you, I guess. Pat yourself on the back if you get to take care of that one. But the Biden administration was shut down just months ago from trying to forgive massive amounts of student loan debt that was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court saying, yeah, not allowed to do that. And the way they were trying to do it was under an emergency declaration clause, which was ironic when we had ended the emergency declaration for COVID-19, but yet they were still trying to forgive massive millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of student loans across the nation. That didn't work. So then they came up with their, what was it, their SAVE Act? Is that what it was? The uh, SAVE Act or, or, or Education Act or whatever the hell that they do that was really like, hey, if you want to pay your student loans, you can. If you can't make the payment, totally okay. If you can't afford the interest, totally okay. We won't just keep charging interest on your student loan. We'll just let you pay the balance of it on the principal. And then you can just pay the interest whenever you want to because we're here for you. Yeah. Twinkle, twinkle star. That is what the Biden administration did then. Now they're talking about phase two of their next student loan forgiveness program all over the nation. Not really helping the education, but yet trying to uh, seem like they're taking care of student loan borrowers. Relating that to the state of Kansas, we have apparently, according to the Topeka Capital Journal right now, we have more students that are graduating from college, but yet we have less teachers and professors here because they're moving to other states. Now, I would challenge the idea that we have more graduates in the state because there's been a massive growing interest in not wanting to go to higher education but go to a trade school or go directly into a workforce or do something other than get massively into debt with student loans and go to a college that is not really taking care of my needs either and we've talked about that many times before about why we have I don't know, the basic high school curriculum for the first two years of your college life before you even get into the degree that you really want to get into. That's a problem in itself. The tenured professors who are throwing an absolute fit, and if you remember from about a month or so ago over the summertime, we've had numerous professors at numerous different universities complain that they're either not getting raises or that they might be actually getting let go while the chancellors or the presidents of the universities are getting more money and we're cutting out departments. Now, why would we cut out a department at a university? Probably because there's not enough students going into it. So I don't know if a professor feels like they just need to sit there because they're entitled to a job. But if there's not enough students going into that profession, then why would we have that department? And I understand that it's a government-run institution, man. But at the end of the day, we have to run it like a business. And if the business has a product that's not being sold because it's an unpopular product or people don't want to get into it because it's too expensive, then in the free market laissez-faire capitalist system that we have, you have a couple choices. You can either change the product a little bit to make it more appealing. 
You can lower the price of the product to where more people are enticed to buy it, or you can just stop producing that product at all and get something different. And that's what universities need to do. If you have a degree for underwater basket weaving and there is no high demand for a career of underwater basket weaving professionals down the road and no one's signing up for the class, why do you have a department that's spending money for a building and for the teachers and for the books and for the resources for a class on underwater basket weaving? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Gender studies, while that's a fascinating topic, I'm not quite sure what you can do with something like that unless maybe you're a psychology major and you're trying to figure out why people are so confused in the world. I guess that would be pertinent, but is that something that you could... I have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in gender studies. Um, okay, I guess that's cool. Candace University has come out with their new Taylor Swift curriculum. Oh, yes, the sociology of Taylor Swift. Now, they say that it's a marketing thing of how she's been able to market herself and for business students and for marketing students to learn how you could properly market to be successful. You could have a class, like not, not like an entire course on it, but you could have a class, a day, where you go to your sociology class and like, all right, we're going to talk about Taylor Swift as an example of how you could properly market yourself. But to make that an actual long a semester long course to learn about the sociology of Taylor Swift I think we're going a little excessive on trying to pander to the drama filled Kardashian type students that care more about pop culture than they do about the real world and reality and not reality TV I'm talking about actual reality we have some major auditing and some cleaning up to do with universities and right now we're not doing it we're just causing more confusion because, well, the government's involved, and I guess that's something that's uh, normal. So if you're a college professor, I'm not trying to harp on you, but I am saying, what the hell are we doing? Why do I need to go to college and take another English class or to go to college and take another math class or go to college and take another science class when I'm majoring in political science, for example? I don't care. Maybe a writing class so I can learn how to write different pieces, but I don't need to take, uh, I'll tell, give you an example. When I went to college, I was majoring in political science. Didn't know what I was going to do with it. And I had no clue what that career could lead to, which I eventually found out was either going to be going to become a teacher or go on to be a lawyer, which I didn't want to do either one of those things. So I realized that political science was not necessarily helping me at all. And I was going down the wrong direction, which got me into radio, actually. So it did benefit me kind of, but in a way I didn't expect it to actually benefit me. But while I was majoring in political science, I didn't even take a political science class until my second year of college. My first year of college, they said, kind of like high school, you have to take extracurricular classes. I had to take a class on the history of music, and I had to take a class on, I don't remember what it was, like the history of dinosaur bones. Now, while I find those things interesting, and I find them fascinating as an interest topical point of discussion to talk about when we're doing like pop quizzes with family and friends at a get together while we're sipping on wine and talking about, do you know where the banjo came from originally in society? Like that's an interesting conversation. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with that with my political, with my political career majoring in political science, but Oh yes, I was mandated that I had to have certain credits like that. So I had to take a history and music and I had to take a dinosaur, uh, class on whatever that is, the science stuff. Fascinating, completely irrelevant. But yet they force me to do something like that just to spend the money. That's the garbage that needs to go away in higher education. 
but yet that's how they make their money, so they're going to continue to force it onto us. And I don't necessarily like that. So there's a lot of changes we can do. And the the professors themselves, I'm sorry, if you're teaching a history on music class, maybe that should be for like, I don't know, music majors, not for someone that's going into a completely irrelevant degree. That's how I get you, man. And I'm not okay with something like that. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Uh, have you had those same experiences as well? We'll do some of that when we come back here. <laughs> there. That's my rant on higher education. And we're losing professors because we're trying to clean it up. And we're trying to change out some of the uh, departments that we don't necessarily need. And they're angry about that and seeing better opportunities elsewhere. I'm okay if we get rid of a lot of these, especially the sociology of Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Here's my other rant for the day. I don't care that Taylor Swift is at a Kansas City Chiefs game. Can we just throw that out there? All over the news every single week. And my brain's hurting from seeing it all the time as well. We'll take some calls. we got some calls on the line when we come back right here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. back into it 10 minutes at the top of the hour covered a lot of interesting ground here on the program today kind of an interesting conversation i like to focus a lot on education because that is where a large portion of our funds go here in the state of kansas there are two main things that are bankrupting our state and that is the education fund and that is our pension plans in our state not to knock either one of those or to say we shouldn't spend money on either one of those but we need to make sure that if we're going to spend a 60 70 percent of our entire state budget on these two categories that let's make sure that they're actually running appropriately shall we that would be nice and yes i get it universities state universities that have all these departments and different uh things that you can study that's cool but let's keep it under a reasonable level of like is it going to benefit you in the future like if i want to go to college and i want to study theology for example because i'm really interested in religion and theology and and all that stuff if i want to do that i should have a class to do that but i understand that i'm going into that as a pure fascination and interest not that i'm trying to make that a career and if i go there to do that i don't want to have to take a class on the history of underwater basket weaving in order to get to that level if i choose to do so because that's just stupid let's go to our phones here shall we line number one good morning who's this this is ray ray how are you my friend Oh, I'm just having a good old time. Yeah, good. Hey, uh, this uh, that that the state pension fund should be divorced from the state completely, and the state should have nothing to do with it. Uh, we shouldn't be maintaining that stuff and then dipping into it and then putting it back and all this other stuff. So that's that's just one point. And then on this uh, on this uh, swipe fee mm-hmm. for the credit cards. Yes, you know. It doesn't break my heart one bit if these people don't get their cash back because a lot of people don't even use that thing. And it's just, you know, crying about somebody's not. Hold on, <laughs> Ray, hold on. Your money. You're, you're not building up your rewards to get a uh, flight around the country at all or anything? You're not, <laughs> not using it for that? No, I don't think so. Uh, and uh, I'm, on top of that, so so they charge you for you you pay for it, and then they give you a little bit of it back. And since you know what percentage of the population even uses that, but they paid for it. 
Well, that's you know, the thing. That, that doesn't seem to be there. While the perks seem nice and while they give you all this cash back and all these other little rewards and deals, it sounds nice. But at the end of the day, the credit card companies are still making massive amounts of money. And it is no <laughs> nothing off the right. You're not winning the system by getting rewards on your credit card. You're just you're building your credit if that's what you choose to do. And if you're doing it for that way or using it for an yeah. emergency fund or something. But, yeah, to, to live off of the rewards and thinking that you're getting away with something, you're not. And we just have to accept that. Exactly. And then on a, on another note on the same thing, the uh, the grocers make about one percent on on their selling their groceries. The credit card companies charge the grocer two percent on on your purchases. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know that that that's that's just crazy, and I can understand why the grocers want to get rid of that, and I am totally on their side about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. It is uh, the, the banks and the credit card companies are the ones that are just raking this in. And look, I'm all about competition. Let's create some competition in the market sure. for it. But yeah, I, I agree with Lois and what we talked about earlier is not centralizing that in the government because that's not going to solve it. It's only going to make the problem worse. What we need to do is try and bring some more incentive back for cash-based stuff. And we can talk about, like you said, the, uh, yeah. the the charges that businesses get when someone swipes their credit card takes away from their profit unless they have that built into the price there to cover some of that. But it takes away from them. So the $50 you spent, the business is not getting $50 of profit. They're getting $50 minus than whatever the charge is for the credit card. And that value of the $50 continues to deteriorate as it goes along. Yes. yes. And all Very that money much. at the end of the day goes to the, well, credit card company. <laughs> Yes, it does, and we don't see. And and what's the credit card doing? They're doing nothing. They've got a computer that handles all that stuff. It's not like they're out working the field and and you know chopping down the trees and building houses or nothing. They're just sitting there. Yeah, Ray, I was born in the wrong time era, my friend. I want to go back to where that was our biggest struggle: was figuring out how we can build our own log cabin and just not see uh-huh. another human being for the next hundred miles. <laughs> Yeah, and not having a credit card company charge you for it. <laughs> or know exactly what you're charging and say, sorry, hey, Ray, you bought a gun with this credit card. We're going to decline it, and we're going to shut down your card because how dare you purchase exactly. a firearm. <laughs> Shame on me. <laughs> Shame on you. How could you do something like that? Ray, I appreciate it, my friend. Good stuff. Are you going to watch the solar eclipse today? Uh, I'm going to try. If we if we can see it through the clouds, right? <laughs> there are so many uh, events that go on in the sky, and it seems like in the last year or so, that most of them have been obscured by the clouds. Uh, I blame that on drives me batty. I blame that on Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm sure it was, but I don't think he could explain to us how he did it. That is true. That is true. He probably did it, but has no idea how. So <laughs> I love it, Ray. I appreciate the phone call, my friend. Great stuff. Three one six seven two one. 8255. Yeah, I, I blame Joe Biden on that one. I think it is the climate change environmentalists that have seeded the clouds to try and create more rain and cooler temperatures during the global warming that is now not allowing us to see the astral events going on. There's a meteor shower going on, by the way, too, I think in the next week or two. Like a major meteor shower that we're not going to see for another like 500 years or something ridiculous. So I kind of want to see it. Stop seeding my clouds, man. There it is, the, my conspiracy theory. Uh, of the day. You're right. Uh, The credit card issue is a very interesting one. We are going to get U.S. Senator Roger Marshall on the program 
to talk about his his move here for the competition because we need the competition. The competition, though, doesn't mean that we put it to the Federal Reserve to create competition. The competition means we create more car, credit card companies to compete against the big ones that can actually lower some of the fees that they actually charge. The competition is making cash more incentivized again to where people, when you hand someone a $50 bill, they're making the profit of the $50. They're not getting the $50 minus whatever the credit card's going to charge them uh, to swipe that card. And then when they make less of a profit, let's say that's $46 now, they go somewhere and use a credit card and they swipe $46 worth of goods. That's $43 now, and it dwindles more and more and more. So we're losing the money out of the large pie that is the private sector economy going towards a company that's just sitting there allowing you to use their item for the convenience of it. Sorry, I'm not okay with that. I'm all for free markets, but we also as the consumer need to be smart enough to realize that that's not the way an economy should work. And I want to create my own piece of the pie, not try to take it from somebody else. And that's what we're going to do. So, hey, I'm all about it. If this continues and if they continue to try to push the cashless society, I'm going with the side that just gets away from it all and just going to go straight cash and barter. Let's do that, man. I'm all about it. I'll swap a goat for a chicken or however those things are supposed to be. Yeah, I'm totally okay with something like that. So we'll see where the future is held to, but I am a little concerned of the direction that we're going with all these electronics, man. And no, sorry, I know all of my listeners listening right now, we're not getting the chips in our hands or our necks or wherever it's going to be for that cashless society to know our medical records, our bank accounts, and everything else that goes on with our personal lives. I'll pass on that one, too. Syndicated program for the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition coming up this weekend. Back at it again on Monday and next weekend for another episode of Candace Talk. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.